So you may have noticed this morning is uh, Easter Sunday um, and so we're celebrating the risen Jesus and as I've said before it is uh, the most significant uh, day in world history is the, 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 those two days, the death and the resurrection of Jesus, that one event that, that, that covers our sin, that makes us free um, into new life. Um, And so we're celebrating that this morning. We're also continuing our series in Matthew. And so if you have your Bible, I'm going to read, I'm going to start actually in in Romans chapter 6, and then I'm going to jump into Matthew chapter 3. So if you want to put your thumb in Matthew chapter 3, then I'm going to, I will get there, I promise, but I'm going to start in Romans 6, and I hope you will see quickly why. So Romans 6 Um, verses 3 to 11 and it will all come up on the screen in front of you do you not know this is Paul writing to the Romans do you not know that all of us who have been baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father we too might walk in newness of life For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we've died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Matthew 3. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John wore a garment of camel hair and a leather belt around his waist and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Then Jerusalem and all Judea and the region about the Jordan were going out to him and they were baptised by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee uh, the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance and do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptise you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. And he will clear the threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. 
Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan uh, to, to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So let's say we're in a series in uh, Matthew, just these opening chapters of Matthew, Matthew 1 to 4. Uh, in this, in this op- these opening chapters, Matthew is, is deeply concerned with us understanding who Jesus is. He wants to make it very clear that Jesus is the fulfilment of all promises that God has given previously. So even in these opening chapters, we've seen again and again, Matthew point back to the Old Testament prophets, hasn't he? He said, this, see, this is how Jesus fulfills this prophet. This is how Jesus fulfills this prophecy and this promise. This is how Jesus is the, the culmination of all world history. I'm going to give up on this. This is how Jesus is the culmination of all world history. This is how he, he fulfills this one and this one and this one. And, and it's like Matthew's got this list of prophetic words that he's just seeing. Jesus, yes, and that one too, and that one too, and that one too. And he's, and he's doing this because he's writing, as we've said before, to a predominantly Jewish audience who know their Old Testament very, very well. And so he's writing to them and he's saying, look, guys, Jesus is the fulfillment of all of these things that you've been waiting for. This, this one that you've, you've expected, this one that you've longed for and hoped for, for, for thousands of years. Here he is. Here he is, the, the fulfillment of the promises of God. And Matthew's been so keen to, to have us see that, to have us see that all history leads to Jesus. And he's shown us already in these opening chapters that Jesus is, is the fulfillment of history, he's the fulfillment of promise, he is the one who's going to, to be the king and bring the kingdom of God, he is going to be the one who, who comes and reigns in peace, he's going to be the one who, who comes and brings uh, healing power, he's going to be the one who comes and brings blessing, fulfills that promise to bless the ends of the earth as the offspring of Abraham. And now we see one of the promises that, that all the Jews in this day would have been waiting to see fulfilled, which is there's going to be one who comes before the one, the, the second to last prophet. There is going to be somebody who's going to come and announce the one who is coming, who is going to fulfill all the promises of God. And Matthew's saying here in John the Baptist, that is happening. As we've gone through this series, we've wanted to, to make sure that we've seen Jesus as Matthew's presented him to us. We wanted to have our eyes open to who Jesus is, but, but also we expect um, that we're going to be challenged ourselves to, be, uh, to, to live in line with Jesus' teaching, but also to, um, as we do that, kind of to carry a, a sense of all that we get given as we come through this series, we have, we've got to give to others. John's message really is... Uh, it's very simple. You see it in that, uh, the opening line of chapter 3. In those days, uh, John the Baptist, can we have that verse up? Sorry, the, um, chapter, just the start of chapter 3. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. 
What was his message? Repent, for the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is at hand. Repent. That word repent literally just means um, it's a turn around. Right? The, kind of the translation is turn around or come back. It's like you've gone the wrong way. Come back. Come back. <laughs> come back. You've gone the wrong way. This is, this, is, this is John shouting in the desert. He's come back. Turn your face. Turn your face. The kingdom is here. It's, and there's an immediacy to it. Do you see, do you see that? The, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is, it's, not just, it's not just coming. There's a date set. You don't know when it will be. It's, no, it, it's, it's here. It's, it's so close you can touch it. The kingdom of heaven is here and you're not ready, is John's message. You are facing the wrong way. You, you are going to walk past it. You're going to miss out if you, are, if you don't turn around now. Because the one is coming. The one is here. He speaks with, the, as I say, this, this urgency and this immediacy. It's here. And we see actually as Jesus brings his teaching in Matthew, that, that same urgency is there in Jesus. In all these parables. You know, look, you need to respond now, says Jesus. Right? You don't, don't go away and just think about what I say on the Sermon on the Mount. Don't just memorize it. Do it. Because if the person who doesn't do it is like somebody who builds their house on sand. The person who, built, who does it, who goes away from this moment and acts on what I've said is like the wise man. Because the rain's coming. The rain's coming. And there's an urgency in all of Jesus' teaching. And we see it here in John. Now. Right? There's even, verse 10 he says, even now the axe is laid against the root of the tree. The work is begun. It is so close that it is breaking in now. John's message is one of, of, of law and repentance. John doesn't preach a full gospel. He's not able to, not yet. He preaches, he preaches only, the only thing he can preach is, you are not ready. You are going the wrong way. You are not ready for the kingdom of God. There's a, you, you, like he, he just holds up. He says, look, this is where you stand before a holy God. And this is, this is quite a, a gutsy move from John because he's speaking to Jews, right? These, these Jews who have grown up their whole life um, learning the law and knowing this is how I justify myself before God. This is, this is what I must do to, to be clean before, uh, before God. This is, these are the ritual things that I need to do. This is how I need to live. This is how I need to eat. And John comes and speaks to people, some of whom have been doing this their entire lives, and says, you are not ready to meet this one. You are not ready to meet with God. You are not ready. And he says to them, don't, just, don't try to justify yourself. Accuse yourself. Right? That's what he's saying. You know, to be, come and confess your sins. That's what, that's what begins to happen. What happens here is, John makes us so aware of our need for grace, right? He, we, we're so aware, and that's what's happening in these crowds as they gather. There seems to be some sort of revival breaking out across all of Judea as they, everybody recognizes, not all of them are going to receive Jesus, but everybody recognizes, I'm not clean. John just has to say this simple message of repent, the kingdom's coming. And suddenly as they realize, wow, if, if the kingdom's coming, I'm not ready. When people realise that and they recognise that, it's, it's here, I'm not ready. They get that message. They don't all of them accept Jesus as the way of, 
of, of being saved from their unreadiness. But all of them recognise that they're not ready. And I think it's true of us. When we, when we consider ourselves soberly, it's true of everybody out there in all the world. When we consider ourselves soberly, we recognise we're not, we're not ready to meet God. We're not ready to, to, to stand before a holy God, not on our own. We're not able to do that. Guilt, shame, pain, all of those things testify to us. We, we've got things wrong. We've made a mess. We've fallen short. We are not ready. And so John's message is turn around. Turn around. Come back. And as I say, there's this huge response. The people en masse understand this is what I need to do. I need to repent. I need to turn around. I need to change my life. What happens though is that the, the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they, they come uh, as part of the crowd. They, some of them seem to be accepting this baptism as well. But none of them in a way that makes it clear that they're really turning around. Which is why John speaks to them in the, in the way that he does. He, he sees that they come and they, they, they want to take part of this because it seems like there's some sort of religious fervor sweeping across the nation and so we want to be part of that but they're not they're not going to change anything they do they're not going to bear fruit in keeping with repentance as john says that they must they just they just want to enter into this thing and, and, and ride this high and and so john says to them who told you who told you what i was about because i tell you you need to repent and bear fruit in keeping with, with repentance now, the Pharisees and Sadducees, then, you've got two different groups. They're going to turn up again and again a few times in the course of this story that we see in Matthew. They're two different religious leaders. One of them, kind of the more, um, uh, I suppose, the, the, the more scholarly, uh, the scholastic kind of teaching school, and one of them is much more the kind of the religious, uh, appointed religious leaders uh, in the community. Um, and so you've got these two sorts of so the Pharisees are the, the kind of the, the heady guys we want to um, they, I suppose they would be the super conservative heady religious um, Bible scholars of today and then the um, Sadducees are the much more kind of the appointed uh, teachers in the community the lawyers in the community of the word and so I'm not saying that in our modern, the kind of the modern example that either one of those are evil but I'm just saying that those are the kind of that's the kind of context that we're dealing with. These are the people who are here. And, and in John's mind, these guys are self-justifying. They're not, they're not aware of what they're doing as they come to take on this baptism of repentance. They make claims for themselves, says John. You, know, you claim for yourselves that you're a child of Abraham. You're, you're trying to, to say, look, I'm part of the, that in crowd. I'm, I'm already sorted. I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm ready. I'm a child of Abraham. I'm ready for when the kingdom comes. And John's saying, no, you're not. The axe is laid up against you, ready to be swung. And you are not ready. We saw last week, didn't we, that actually being part of that so-called in-group, the, the, the Jews, was, was not enough. You know, when, when, when the, the wise men come, those magi from the east, they're the ones who worship the king. They're the ones who receive the Messiah. Herod, the Jew... And all of Jerusalem who, are, who hear this news, they, they miss out. They don't go, you know, seven miles down the road to go and see the Messiah. They miss out. The, the ones who go and see him are the ones who've travelled for 
a couple of months to get there. Like they're the ones who go and see him. The, the nations, the outsiders, the foreigners, the outcasts, they're the ones who get there first. These guys here, they're saying, actually, I'm in the in crowd. I'm in the in crowd already. John's saying, no, you're not. Be careful. You are not in. He says to them, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. In verse 8, this kind of this, this idea of like, actually, as you, as, you, as you turn back, as you face um, towards the kingdom, as you, as you turn around, there is, there's just a, a fruitfulness that comes from that. And John's saying, you are not producing that. You're still producing those sorts of rotten fruit of, of self-striving. I can do this myself. You, you're not producing the fruit that comes from, I'm, I'm dependent on you, Jesus. I'm dependent on you to do something for me. Now, just a quick note here. We can sometimes, when we read the Gospels, we can sometimes come across these guys, these Sadducees, these Pharisees, and sort of read them as the baddies. And sort of think like, oh, I would never, I would never say something like that. Or I would, I would never think like that. Or I can't believe that they met Jesus and they, they responded to him in this way. It's really easy as Christians to read it that way. And to think of them as, as the baddies. And actually, I think if we, if we do that and we don't let Jesus speak to us when he's speaking to the Pharisees or when he's speaking to the Sadducees and when he's challenging them and addressing them. If we don't let Jesus speak to us when he's speaking to them, then we're going to miss a big chunk of what Matthew's trying to get into our hearts. Right? There, is, there is stuff that Jesus, that John, is saying to these religious leaders that we need to hear. I, I promise you there are things that I, I need to challenge that, that Jesus directs sharply at these guys that I need to receive sharply. And so I just want to just open that up to us. We, need to, we do not want to miss what Matthew is going to teach us, what Jesus is going to teach us. And so we want to be open to receiving in that way. Okay, so, G, so John is saying... The kingdom of heaven is coming. You need to turn around. What is, the kingdom, what is the, this coming of this kingdom going to look like to John's mind? Well, we've seen it's going to look like judgment. You know, the axe is laid at the foot of the tree. There is judgment coming. For those who aren't ready, for those who aren't producing fruit, those who aren't producing good fruit, judgment is coming. And so you need to, you, you need to repent. You need to turn around. You need to, to bear fruit in keeping with repentance, in, in facing kingdom so repentance is isn't it as we've said it's a, it's a turning back and, and facing the kingdom you, and, and as you do that we've said already kind of that uh, face unveiled face beholding the glory of God we're transformed from one degree of glory to another that is what John is expecting to happen in his hearers as they turn to face the kingdom and that's what he wants to see in them there's judgment coming for those who don't there is judgment coming for people who do not turn to face the kingdom. But also, he says, it's not, just, it's not just judgment in the sense of loosely. There is going to be a judge coming. There is another person coming. There is someone coming after me. He's going to be, a, he's going to be another baptizer. I baptize you with water, but there's one coming who is mightier than me, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry, who is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He's, he is coming. There's going to be another baptizer. And you think some of these religious leaders kind of hear this and go, what, another one of these ones? Another one? No, there's, there's somebody else who's coming. He's greater than me, mightier than me. And he is the judge. He's the one who's going to swing the axe, the axe that's laid at the foot of the trees. He is the one who is coming. 
Amazing twist, though, as we come to uh, verse 13, is that, that, that having just been announced in the previous verses, there is the one mightier than me who's coming. He's going to bring, he's going to swing the axe. He's coming with the Holy Spirit and with fire. I'm not worthy to touch his shoes. The next moment, Jesus is there and he says, will you baptise me? Will you baptise me? And John is deeply surprised and shocked. And we should be, right? I think, I think we need to be surprised that Jesus comes and he, having, just, having literally just been promised as coming and bringing the, the judgment of God and the, the fulfilment of, of, of the promise of God of the Holy Spirit and of fire and of power and the kingdom of God comes and, and accepts a baptism of repentance. John's like, you, you don't need my baptism. In fact, you're the only person in all of world history who does not need to hear that call of come back, turn around. Jesus says, I know, I know. Right? He, he answers the question. He acknowledges that John is right. Yes, I know, I don't, I don't need to repent. I don't need to repent, I know. But let it be this way now. Let it be this way now so that we, could, so that we I love that he says we, uh, kind of includes John in this. Like, like John's, you know, he's like, John, let's, let's fulfill all righteousness together. I think that says something about Jesus, about how he works. He, does, he loves to include us in, in his work. He loves to include us in, and that's what we're doing here. This is Jesus' work, by the way. Jesus is the one who's reaching the nations. Jesus is the one who's reaching Hull, who's, who's transforming lives in this city and in North Hull. And he says, yeah, let's, let's do this together. Come, come with me. He says this to John. Let, come, let's, let's, let's fulfill all righteousness together. And what does he mean by that? You know, Jesus, the only person who, who has ever not had to hear this call, repent, comes and receives this baptism of repentance. How does it fulfill all righteousness? Well, I think it's firstly, I think two reasons. I think the first one is that it's a display of intention. It's sort of, so that, that call to repentance is come and face the kingdom. Turn, turn and face what God is doing. Come and turn your face to, to this kingdom. Jesus is saying, I am, I'm facing the kingdom. I am facing the kingdom. I'm, I'm turning to, I am, I, not turning, but I, I am facing the kingdom. My face is towards what God is doing. That's what Jesus is saying. I, that's where I'm going. That's what I'm bringing. That's what I'm here to do. I'm facing the kingdom. And secondly, it's an, he is identifying with us. Over the Easter weekend, um, kind of the story gets told, doesn't it? The kind of Jesus' crucifixion. And, and it's so powerful that, that this um, sinless saviour the, the, the prince of heaven, king of all things who was there when the, uh, when all the foundations of the earth were laid by his words that, that there was the sun and the moon and the stars and the seas and the mountains and all of these things and, and, by, and in every moment he is upholding them by the word of his power this one dies on a cross between two thieves, between two of the most vile sinners. This is a story that gets told, and it's, it's powerful, right? But Jesus' ministry starts, it ends there, or it, it seems to end there, it culminates there on that moment on the hill between two sinners, but it starts in a river with sinners as well. And we need to feel the power of that just as much. Jesus, his ministry starts in a river with sinners. 
I'm here with you. I'm here with you in the muck of it all. You, you're coming in here to, to be made clean. I'm going to go in there with you. <laughs> you're coming here to, to repent, to turn away from your sin. I'm there with you in that. He is identifying with us. And in baptism, we identify with Jesus. When we are baptised, that's what we're doing. We get to take part in it. That's what we saw in the, the Romans 6 passage, right? The, um, those of you who have been baptised, you, you have died with uh, Christ. Actually, uh, it was only a few weeks ago that we were having a baptism here. And it was a, a amazing, you know, that, that as, as we baptised Julie... Um, and hearing her story and what happens there and what happens in baptism is, is that old person dies. That baptism pool is a tomb. And it's a, a birthing pool, right? There is, there is death and there is new life. And that's what happens in baptism. As you're baptised, that is what happens. And so as, we, as we're baptised, as we see in Romans 6, you, your old life dies. And you're, and you're given a new life, a new and full life. And so, as we baptised, we are identifying with Jesus and we are recognising our need for repentance, right? We, you know, that, that proverb, um, which recently just come back uh, for me as I was, I was reading elsewhere, uh, Proverb 28, it's, it's this, uh, Proverbs 28, 13, Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. In baptism, we are responding to the call, come back. Now that's in, in, the, uh, you know, in the New Testament, actually, as we look through Acts, that baptism is the, the altar call. Right? You know, it might have been in, in, in uh, big meetings or in um, evangelism settings where, where somebody says, right, if you, if you want to respond to the Lord, come forward. Well, in the New Testament, it seems that kind of, the, kind of the, the thing is, sometimes we can turn baptism into something else, like it's for the next level Christian, you know, when I'm, when I'm sure that I know what I want, you know, whatever. In the New Testament, it's the gospel is preached, who wants to follow Jesus, come and be baptised. This, this is the first step of your life with the Lord, of following Jesus. Come, be baptised. We admit in baptism, how oh, I need to be made clean. I need to be made clean. I need to turn and face the kingdom. And, as I say, we identify with Jesus and we get to share in him. We receive mercy, as that proverb says, but we also receive so much more. Not just forgiveness, but freedom and new life. You're not just forgiven from what you've done, but the person who did them is dead. (laughs) You are given a new life, a new beginning. We're given a stainless life. And it's not just turning over a new leaf, that kind of that, that phrase, I'm going to turn over a new leaf, I'm going to try again. Because you know, if it was just that, you would make a mess of that second leaf as well. No, it's a, it is a new book with a new author. author right? there, is, there, is, there is something totally new. You have been transformed. And Jesus is there with you. And we get to share in that, that declaration that is made over Jesus. Behold. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. When you're baptised, when you accept Jesus in faith, when you turn to face the kingdom and receive this this repenting uh, baptism and you identify with Jesus, you get to enter into 
his family and you get to hear that call, that wonderful, uh, from the Father, look. Everybody, look. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. This is my daughter in whom I am well pleased. Look. He's like, delights to hold you up. He says, but this is the one in whom I am well pleased. When you're baptised, when you repent, when you give yourself to Jesus, that is what happens. We join the family. There's this amazing moment at the, the cross. It's one of those, there's a, a few different things that happen as Jesus is on the cross. But this is, this is one that, um, that really strikes me. Is, uh, John and Mary are just at the foot of the cross looking at Jesus as he's dying. Jesus as he's dying, he, he turns to them and he says, um, mother, uh, woman, behold your son. Um, John, this is your mother. And this is kind of this picture of these people. They come to the cross to, 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 the cross to Jesus and they find themselves with new family. That's what happens when you, when you come and you, and you, and you meet with, with Jesus. You come to the cross, you meet forgiveness, you get added to a new family. And suddenly you kind of walk away from the cross saying, oh, I've got new brothers, I've got a new mother, I've got, what, what's going on here? And you realise that Jesus has pulled you into his family. He has made you his. You've not just been forgiven, you've been made his. So there's no such thing as a Christian outside of the church. It just, just doesn't happen. It's just not, it's just not a thing. No, when you become a Christian, you become part of God's family, the church, and you are made his. In fact, actually, as you read through the book of Acts, you see that, that, that being baptised, so that moment of repentance, that act of repentance, and being added are, are the same event. Right? You are saved and added. Or as it might say in Acts occasionally, it's a number of times, it says they were baptised and added to their number. So when you're baptised, you're, you're not just becoming a Christian and you, know, you can float around elsewhere. There's a, there's a sort of, you're baptised into the family. You're baptised into Christ and you're baptised into his family to belong to him. That doesn't mean that someone has to get baptised every time they join a new church. But it does mean that when you first join the church, God's people, you are baptised. It's sort of a, now you're part, you're, you're part of the family. You're, you've been rescued, you've been cleaned, you've been saved, and you're part of the family. Matthew's gospel begins and ends with baptism. Right? So here it is, right at the start, Jesus baptised, and then as we see, and as has been um, re- referenced already, the kind of the Matthew 28 go into all the world with that, that wonderful promise of, I am with you to the end of the age. He says, go make disciples, baptize, baptize. You know, the, this baptism that you've received, this forgiveness that you've received, this, this call, turn back, come back, turn around, face the kingdom, go and, and take that same call. Take that same baptism. Call people to, to, to the kingdom. Call them in. Bring them in. Teach them forgiveness and obedience. Bring them into the family. Announce the kingdom. Jesus says, you know, John, this John, yeah, this John, he was the greatest of all the prophets. He says, but I tell you, even the least in the kingdom is greater than he. John, with his incredible ministry that stretched out across Israel, Jesus says, the least in the kingdom is greater than he. Why? Well, because you preach the full gospel. You don't just say there's one who's going to come who's, who's greater than me. You say... That he's here. He is, he is here. 
And it's on the basis of what he's done that we baptize. It's on the basis of what he has done that we call to baptize. I'm pausing because I'm not sure I want to go here. Let's finish there. I, I just I feel like I feel like that there are people here who at different times have felt so far away from that declaration that Jesus receives. Behold, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter. I feel like there are people here who've, who've, who've maybe just felt that God's put up with them. He's, he's tolerated them. Or maybe, maybe they felt that, actually I've just been, I've just been striving to achieve God's favour I really feel there's, there's something here. Just, just interrupted my kind of my final point. I feel like I feel like there's there's something here that is just that that needs to be dealt with actually on that. Now God says to you, if you've repented, if you've turned away from the world and you've faced the kingdom, I say over you, you are my beloved. And I knew I am well pleased. I am well pleased. I am pleased with you. Maybe that comes as a bit of a... I can't be. God can't be pleased with me. Surely he's seen when I did that. When I said that. When I thought that. She says, yes. Yes. But also know that you, that you have been washed by my blood. There is, there is, you need to hear this, there is nothing that you've done or could do that is more powerful than the blood of Jesus or the resurrection of his son on that day. That means that you get separated from that call. This is my beloved in whom I'm well pleased. That's said over you. Said over you. We need to hear that. We need to know it. Yes, there's a fruitfulness that comes. Yes, there's good works that come. Yes, there's a turning away from sin. But I tell you, those things, says John, even John, fiery little John, he says, those things, those things are fruit of repentance. When you turn and you face him and you give yourself to him and you receive him, you will bear fruit. That will happen. That will happen. But those fruit, then, they'll get fruit mixed up with root, right? The, the root is Jesus. <laughs> the fruitfulness will come. You need to make sure that you are receiving and drawing from him. We're just going to um, go back into another time of some worship briefly. But, but I, I wonder if it would just be good just to pray just on that. I do, I do really feel like there's, there's something there for some of us. Um, and also, if, if, if there are people who have not been baptised and, and just even having just heard that now and just would like to be baptised, then come speak to me at the end. I would love to arrange that. But... Um, Kind of that moment, a real significant moment of life of a believer, I think even 
to give people a church history, you point to their baptism as like, this is the key weapon that I use against the enemy when he comes and he tries to tempt me or to, or to, to lead me to despair. He said, he said no, I point to um, my baptism and I say, Jesus has done this. He's been dealt with. I've been baptised. If you've not been baptised, come speak to me. But, but just, we're going to just go to worship and say, do you want to stand with me? We're going to just pray.